I have a message this morning. It starts off, this is what I wanted to speak on, fear, consuming fear. And as I was beginning to meditate and begin to prepare a message about fear, doing a study and the psychological effects of fear on our thinking, fear is a reasonable, uh, you know, hope that something isn't going to harm you or hurt you and, and uh Sometimes it can get unreasonable, but basically most fear is to self-protect and to keep you well. Well, as I began to prepare to speak on consuming fear, it shifted in me. Something really shifted in my heart, and God began to speak into my soul. We live in a therapeutic culture. Everything is psychoanalyzed. Everything is broken down into therapy for our emotional well-being and emotional self. And much of the church sermons and stuff that's out there has gone from a biblical base to a therapeutic base. And the Spirit of God was just really all over me for that. And, and I don't want to preach to you some psychological help for your fear. In fact, what I have for you is something quite extreme. And that is the fear of God, that we would be in a place more consumed with the fear of God than we are with COVID. I was on a Zoom meeting yesterday, and uh, it was my son-in-law, Brad Stenman, said this. He said that if, if we spoke about Jesus as much as we have about COVID, we'd be in revival right now. I think COVID comes out of our mouth more often than Jesus, and we're more consumed with the fear of COVID than we are with the Lord. Let me just share with you a real story of what I'm talking about. It's when the disciples early in their ministry were uh, out in the waters, and uh, Jesus had spoken. This is in Matthew 8, and uh, it's, it's before he even called them as apostles, and and he had spoken to the crowds, and he told Peter, let's go out into the waters, and I want you to cast your net out over the side. I've spoken about this a couple times recently. And Peter acquiesced to Jesus because he's a rabbi, he's a mighty teacher, he saw and heard his words, and he said, all right, we've been out all night, but we'll do it. And they went out into the waters, and they went out into the deep, and they they were ready to cast out the net. And Jesus said, cast it on this side. And Peter said, yeah, whatever, okay. And they did. And the fish that teemed into that net and pulled into that net was so strong, it jerked the boat over to where they almost fell out of the boat, grabbing the net, trying to hold it as desperate as they could, calling John and James and the Zebedee brothers over and others to come bring their boats. The net's too big. The boat is yawning and leaning towards uh, uh, this pull on this net to where they're grabbing it and trying to fill it and water's coming into the boat and they couldn't believe the net. And Peter lets go of this thing while everybody else is struggling with it. Something grips Peter. While everybody's got their eye on this thing, Peter turns to Jesus, forgets about the fish, and falls to his knees. And he says, oh my God. He says, depart from me, God, for I am wretched. You see, 
Peter got a glimpse of Jesus and he became more afraid of him than the situation. Later in the boat, they're afraid and there's a storm that comes up. You see, here's the thing about the sea. Water in first century Palestine and among the Galileans was the deep. It represent, represented something of the deep of fearfulness and of hell. And they didn't like it, though they had to tolerate it. So when a storm came, they're in the place of the deep and of fear and this rain and the water and the waves and the lightning and they're scared. And Jesus comes and speaks to the wind and the waves. And again, Peter falls and he says, who is this? And he trembled at the sight of who Jesus was. He who has power over nature to call fish into a net. He realized, how was I supposed to be, how, who am I to speak like this against him? And then when he saw him speak against the wind and the waves and it was calm. This is the right positioning Peter took. He became more afraid of the man in the boat than the storm around him. And look at people of God. I'm so tired of trying to placate a holy God to an unrighteous people. We're constantly making excuses for God because He's so mighty and so awesome and so ferocious that everybody says, oh, I don't like that God. I don't like Him. And so we dress up Jesus in the hipster clothes and we dress up Jesus so that we can make God tame enough for our culture that's evil to like him. And I think God's tired of it. And I'm getting sick of it. I'm tired of trying to make an excuse for God. God doesn't need any excuses being made for me. I understand we make apology in the sense that we explain and help people understand God. But there's a point. Where an unsaved person, blind to God, I don't have to keep acquiescing to their definition of a God that they want. I don't apologize for the sun. Oh, you enjoy its warmth. You think it's beautiful. You get too close, you'll be burned to a crisp. I don't have to apologize. That's the nature of the sun. Well, I'm tired of changing God's image to appease an unholy people. It makes no sense at all. This is his nature. He is holy. And the right position in place to respect a holy God is on your face. And if you're going to fear COVID more than you do God, something's out of sorts here. And I know Jesus is your friend, and I know Jesus is your brother, and I know Jesus loves you. But he is a holy God, holy and righteous. He said, what manner of man is this? And they fell to their knees when they got the revelation of his holiness. He is so other than this world. He's not like any other man. He can walk on water. He can raise the dead. Every demon falls before him and begs him not to display his power. And there are people who would beg him, don't show up here either. You disrupt too many things. And why are we trying to make him comfortable? Why are we trying to make sinners comfortable in the presence of a holy God? 
Why are we trying to make Jesus? We won't say the name Jesus. We'll say God because that kind of suits everybody's conversation. The minute you say Jesus, they'll shut you off a TV. They'll shut you off the radio. They won't quote you in the paper. Because you can't reckon who the true Lord Jesus is with the imitation the church has put out there long enough. We've got an imitation Jesus. We've got a mannequin Jesus that everybody can pet and fawn over and say, isn't he lovely? You see, there's got to be a fear. Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, of course, we've got so many people who are afraid of God. They've been ingrained to where, uh, you know, I'm afraid of a holy God and I'm a sinner and he could destroy me. Yeah, you're right. It's exactly right. Yeah. And, and we can't soft-pedal that. I mean, that's His holiness is what drove Jesus to the cross to, to be able to pay for our sin. It was a high price of Christ's own blood to be spilt to appease the judgment and wrath of a holy God. We've got theologians that are, and churches right now that are even trying to change substitutionary atonement. We don't, we don't want to talk about Jesus having to die and having the wrath of God against sin on him because what kind of a loving God would kill his own son? Well, if you've got that warped view of God, God understood the remedy was in his son who would not die but rise but yet give the full price of what was necessary. He risked all he had through his son so he knew his son would rise and be the perfect sacrifice. But we have to balance this thing. But I thought God is love. I need a God of love. God loves me. God cares for me. He does. God loves the sinner. Yes, he does. So loved God the world that he gave his son. But there is a balance between the tension of this fear of God, the holiness of God, and the love of God. God is love. His love is powerful. His love is amazing. His love is awesome. We need a biblical understanding of God in His transcendent glory and holiness. We must come with awe and reverence. Let me help you understand uh, what it means to stand before a holy God. Pastor, should I fear God? Absolutely. Absolutely. They asked uh, in, in the tales of Narnia if, if Aslan was good. And he said, oh, he's good, but he's not tame. And God is good, pure goodness. But we being creatures, sinful and fallen, must fall on our face before the pure holiness of God. Every biblical character fell on their face. Abraham, it says in Genesis 17, when the Lord appeared to him, Abraham fell on his face. When Moses approached the burning bush, he fell on his face. When the presence of God came into the tabernacle, the book of Numbers, Moses and Aaron fell on their faces as the glory of God appeared. Joshua fell on his face. Manoah fell on his face. King David fell on his face. Daniel fell on his face when the angel of the Lord appeared, which was Jesus. Ezekiel, when that of the glory of God had come, he fell on his face. In Isaiah, he said, woe is me, I am undone, a man of unclean lips. He was just being disintegrated before the holiness of God. 
Peter saw him and said, Depart from me. And he fell on his knees. Peter, James, and John, when they saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration, fell on their face when they saw the revealed glory of Jesus Christ. John the Revelator, who had his head on the breast of Jesus at the Last Supper, in the book of Revelation, when he turned to see the Lamb, he fell on his face and saw Jesus. It says in Revelation 7, And all the angels standing around the throne and the 24 elders and the four living creatures all fell on their faces and worshipped God. Don't say this is an old-fashioned Helen Brimstone. Don't tell me this is old-style preaching. This is Bible. There's no time limit. It's not old. It's not new. It's not young or hip. It's nothing but Scripture. It's reality. God is holy, and we are not. He is God, and we are mere mortals. But this love reached this awesome, holy, ferocious God has a ferocious love for you. And until you walk through the blood of Jesus Christ upon you, you should fear God. We fear a virus and don't fear God. We fear storms. We we fear the weather and the fires that are burning and going to come through this summer and burn up again. We're fearing drought. We're fearing sickness, disease. We're fearing asteroids coming. We're fearing aliens. We're fearing everything that's going to happen. We're, we're fearing uh, different cultural groups. We're fearing, oh my gosh, Islam. We're fearing this and we're fearing man. And then we tell God what image we want him to be in. I was supposed to help you with your fear, and I think God told me today to tell you, get on your face and fear me. Fear me. It's a fear of reverence. It's a fear of awe. It's a fear of knowing who he is. And knowing who he is, that he loves you. That is awesome. Then what shall I fear? If he is for us, then who or what can be against us? Oh, no. He is an awesome God. Our God is a consuming God. He is a consuming fire. Let me read to you Hebrews chapter 11. It says this, Let us offer to God acceptable worship. Why? Why? With reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. The writer of Hebrews is saying, let's get our worship, our adoration, what we ascribe to God, let's get that correct. He says, let us offer God acceptable worship. See, acceptable worship to God is ascribing all value and worth to Him above everything else. So sometimes we sing songs about us worshiping. <laughs> and that's just, that's just, you know, uh, lovely melodies. They mean a lot, but it's about here, here I am. I'm worshiping. I'm worshiping. Look at us worshiping. We're all worshiping. Isn't it great we're worshiping? It ain't about you. 
and we talk about what God has done for us, and, and it's me, and God needs me, I need love, I need this, I need that. But we've got to sing to our God and stand in awe of him. It's amazing to me that once you give him acceptable worship, once every one of these people fell on their faces before God, he would touch them and say, fear not. But it was right. It was appropriate. It was acceptable because they positioned themselves correctly before a holy God. There's a holy God, and the only remedy for you and I to stand before a holy God is the righteous blood of Jesus Christ. Because of that blood, I am now accepted into the holiness of God, and that holiness of God is now put in me. If our God's a consuming fire, then his children are a consuming fire as well. But we need to adjust ourselves to give him acceptable worship. What is that acceptable worship? With reverence and awe. I remember having an experience once, many different times, where I've been in places where I literally had to fall on my face before God. I can think of places around the world where I've had experiences. I remember laying in the dirt. I had white pants on, and I had a, a white and green shirt that was pretty nice. I was going to speak that night, and I tried to dress nice. And I was in a tent in South Africa, and the Spirit of God fell so great, so powerfully, that I laid in the red, sandy dirt, and I became filthy. And it was a picture of who I was before God. I was worse than the dirt I was laying in. Oh, but pastor, you were saved and this and that. Yeah, but you got to get an attitude adjustment. There are times where you have to recognize who God is. And that this God would love me. And that he would care for me. I'll get in the dirt for God. I'll do anything for God. I remember my first encounter with the holy presence of God. I was in my 20s, young uh, 20s, and, and I, we had a piano in our living room, and I remember playing. I was home alone that night, and I was playing a worship song that I had written for Jesus, first one I ever wrote. And I was singing it, I was singing it, and I was just pouring my heart out, singing this song. And I remember an, a, a, a presence entered into the room that literally scared me to death. And I wondered, is this... Is this evil? Is this the devil? And, and when I realized the, the radiance of what was happening, I fell in that place, trembling, because my praise had ushered the presence of God into the room. And it scared me to death. We're all looking for the party time. We're all looking for the, yeah, yeah, all right. God is great. Yahoo, slap, high five. It's cool. And those are good times. Jesus loves playing with his kids. He does. But what I'm telling you is in these times and when we're more afraid of everything else but God, God wants to readjust your heart and understand who he is. He is a consuming fire. A consuming fire. What is a consuming fire. A consuming fire is an unrestrained fire. You can't tame this fire. You can't contain it. You can't put him in a box. He'll burn the box. You can't put him in a theological construct. 
because he will always blow the mind of any theologian or anyone who tries to define him. That's why the Holy Spirit is a spirit, because he takes no form or shape. You can't put an image of the Holy Spirit. We give the dove, because he showed up once like that. We put fire, because he talks about like that. But you can't contain the image of the Holy Spirit. You don't know what he looks like. You don't understand. Because he is a consuming fire, you can't contain him. And we try to contain him within the clock and the hours that we set up for him to show up and leave. We try to contain him in the time that we need him. I need you now. I don't need you now. I'm doing other things. I don't need you now. We try to, he's a consuming fire. So if the fire of God is consuming and he's saved you by his blood and now he's in you, you have a consuming fire. And if the consuming fire of God's presence is in you, he won't contain himself to one part of your being. That's why many of you are struggling with what you're struggling through emotionally, what you're struggling through with your fears and, and, and issues, because God is trying to move into the areas to bring healing to your life. I've heard testimonies this, this uh, quarantine period where people have had major breakthroughs. Because of being contained themselves, God could get uncontained in their heart. And he began to burn into bedrooms and burn into closets and burn into suitcases that were packed away with hurt and neglect and uh, guilt. And, and he began to burn them up. Come on, don't you want God to be a consuming fire so that he would consume and burn up all the junk in our lives? I want a holy God that's burning in me to make me holy. He's a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. That means, number one, he needs no fuel. He's self-sovereign, self-existent. He is a fire that will never go out. Some of us need to be reignited. We're praying for revival. God, send a revival. Send a fire again. God didn't go out. His fire didn't diminish. He didn't go anywhere. We've lost the fear of God. We've become his buddies and his pals. We invite him on our field trips. We take him to the, you know, all the nonsensical places we go. What if Jesus doesn't want to go there? Jesus said, get in the boat, go out again, Peter. He said, nah, I don't want to. But I guess since you asked me, I will. And that's when he had the breakthrough. God has been trying to get through for many of you. This consuming fire has been burning and burning and burning. Jonah understood it. God was burning on this guy. Go to Nineveh. Not going to do it. Go to Nineveh. Not going to do it. God could have picked any other prophet. Maybe one better than Jonah. Because he sure didn't do a good job. But God was burning with passion. Not only for Nineveh, but for Jonah. That story tells you about a God who won't quit on you. Till Jonah finally had to come to grips with God's holy and he wants his way. And he found out when he was in the, the belly of a fish, drowning in seaweed to the place of death. And he said, all right, you win. You're God, I'm not. 
That's a consuming fire. This thing burns. It won't stop. This consuming fire is going to complete what he has started in you. Aren't you glad God is a consuming fire, that he is holy? He isn't basing himself on your opinion or the world's opinion or Time Magazine or National Geographic or what the latest theologian has come up with and figured. God is a consuming fire that burns in his nature. He won't go out. Second, he overcomes everything there is. He's relentless. He's unquenchable. God has been burning and burning in the earth. What's he burning for? Burning for souls. He is burning for souls. He's burning to lift the name of Jesus and to display his love for fallen mankind. But you cannot come. Listen, we, we, we tout the love of God, and it is great. The love of God is a consuming fire. That's his nature. This is a love that won't go out. It's a love that caused uh, God to destroy all of creation in Genesis 6 so that he could save one family, so that he could save all of humanity. That's a love, and it's consuming. It's a love that does bring judgment. It's a love that does break uh, injustices. It's a love that does come and bring judgment. So when we want to look to the cross and say, there's the love of God, there's the love of God, you can't look at the cross and the love of God without looking at the holiness and justice of God because his own son hung on that cross. That is a relentless pursuit of love after us, but fulfilling the righteousness of the law to perfection because God is holy. If love was a fire, it would burn endlessly, destroying evil and injustice of all forms, and that is God. He will consume everything in you that opposes him and does damage to your soul. So, I started out to do a sermon on fear to help people not be afraid. And God told me they need to be afraid of Him. Fear God. Fear God. It's very simple. He, listen, that same holiness that we're to fear, if you're opposed to it, you better be afraid. But because you're covered by the blood, you're no longer opposed to the holiness of God. You've become part of that holiness of God. And it is now your defender and your shield. And that power now, that consuming fire, is consuming you. Have a respect and a holy awe and reverence for who he is. Do I fear corona? Do I fear what's coming? When I put it in proportion to who God is and knowing the living God, I don't fear anything. I fear God. And I am right with him through the blood of Jesus. So I don't fear a sickness. I don't fear a disease. I don't fear death. I don't fear the grave. Because I have a consuming fire burning in me that will one day burn through this flesh and I will be an eternal flame in Jesus Christ. So let us give worship 
let us give, as the writer of Hebrews says, acceptable worship with reverence and awe to our God, for he is a consuming fire. Would you bow your heads? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The triune majesty and glory of a holy God set apart from all things. All things that are exist because he created them. And his sovereign will and power is bringing all things together for the good of those called according to his purposes that the name of Jesus will be exalted. And the ultimate consuming fire of our God is to exalt the love and the kingship of Lord Jesus so that at every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess he is Lord. I pray today that you will be overcome by the awesome fear of a mighty God And in that fear become relieved to know His holiness has rescued you through His love. Release this anointing, Jesus, into each soul that you abide in. Burn, Holy Spirit, with fire. For we will not come out of this quarantine the same because we've been in close proximity to a holy fire. Release that fire now in Jesus' name.